0: Thank you. Hello everyone, another beautiful Monday everyone, I hope all of you are doing well. Today is another episode of Hardship, the Now of Leadership, the Now of Culture, the Now of Diversity, the Now of Workplace and of course the Now of Us because we are existing and culture and the way that we lead of us. So today I have a brilliant, brilliant guest with me, CJ Johnson, let me bring him on Hi, CJ. Welcome to Hotship.
1: Hey, how are you? How's it going? I'm well,
0: well, thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited to speak with you.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So before we get into the deep dive that we're going to be touching on today, right? we're going to be talking about diversity in the digital space. I want to hear a little bit about who CJ is and what have you been up to?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a dad, uh, which I, uh, I take a lot of pride in. I'm a girl dad um, of an amazing six-year-old named Fiona Rogue Johnson. And uh, what I do professionally speaking is I'm a digital marketing consultant. I've been in the the world of digital marketing and creativity for the past 18, 18 years. Uh, well, that sounds crazy to say that out loud. Uh, and I mostly work in the uh, Silicon Beach space, uh, tech, fashion, all sorts of really cool stuff. I'm also a GQ insider, so I'm a social media influencer uh, with a lot of amazing supporters um, in the um, that really follow me for like daily inspiration and um, small business tips and politics and all sorts of different things. I'm also a Google uh, Next Gen Policy Leader, um, and what that is is um, it's a space uh, people of color. Um, that are leaders in policy and in technology uh, from all around the United States. We come together and we try to do what we can for social change. And uh, so, yeah, so, so saying that um, I just have like a lot of experience in the world of technology and diversity and creativity. Um, And yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's about it. I know that's a lot, but uh, uh, it doesn't seem like a lot, but yeah.
0: No, uh, but it's, those are epic things, right? I call it epic because you are contributing to shifting the landscape, the larger ways that the paradigm has been to become in the now. So it's awesome what you're doing. It's magnificent what you are doing, contributing to the success, succession of social change. So thank you for doing what, doing you and doing what you do. So, Thank you so much for today, <laughs> no, absolutely. So today's going to be a really important conversation, right? True. For the past few weeks, for the past few weeks from the BRM was born the tsunami for equity, right? That is, it, equity came like a tsunami and a lot of organizations have been trying to grapple during this space of what diversity is, what inclusion is, how can we include that? but. A huge key component that is becoming a blind spot is the digital space, right? And digital space exists in the workplace as well. And while we're connected on the phone, we had a really good conversation about how there is a lack of equity in the digital space or, te- or technology. So I want to touch a little bit on you know when the digital space is programmed to promote a singular voice, it creates a dominant culture. And a lot of people will be like, what's dominant culture? So, for example, if we keep on, I'm going to use the US for an example. If we keep on promoting programs like um, Friends, I mean, I love Friends, but Friends, oh. or, or everyone loves Raymond, it's a very privileged culture, very dominant culture, white culture. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to start seeing Strawbridge from a very singular lens. And then that is what is adopted as a dominant culture. And the rest of the voices, like the Cosby show, like, Blackish, in a shows like that, or Fresh Off the Boat, shows like that becomes on the peripheral, becomes marginalized. So, and that is going on even in the digital space and in the workplace, right? We we are so unconscious about it, how we implement tools because that's digital and you're in the marketing space. So, and that corrodes diversity because it eliminates voices, diverse thoughts, diverse voices, diverse experience. So for a start, let's break it down from your perspective. Mm-hmm. What have you seen that is a presence of inequity in the digital space?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, I think that what you just said um, is, a, is a great setup. I, I love how you use the example of friends and everybody loves Raymond. So let me use that as a, as a jump off. It is the omission of, uh, of seeing diverse faces in the workspace. It isn't done uh, to be racist it's not a conspiracy it's not um, anybody doing it to be hateful or harmful it's that uh, you you know you see it's a it's a it's a club of you getting the best workers and you know that you think that those best workers are part of the same club that you're a part of. And it just so happens that more and more people look like you that uh, placate to certain roles. So when you see somebody like me, the first thing that pops in your mind has nothing to do with technology. Um, That's racial bias, right? And that's a conscious, that's subconscious. That's not you being racist towards me. You're not calling me names. You're not saying you're not going to hire me for something. I just don't see, I just don't look the part of what you think somebody in technology would look like. And how that has sort of evolved is, is that uh, then when you do have somebody as a person of color in these spaces and in these rooms, they start asking questions. You know, people start kind of looking at each other, you know, with a raised eyebrow. Like, I'm not racist. Well, I'm not racist either. Uh, well, what does that look like? Um, and and with, the funny part about technology is that it's so data-driven, so analytically driven, that um, a lot of times there's this tunnel vision that happens where you only experience what you see in front of you. So again, when we talk about friends or everybody loves Raymond, if there's no black folks on that show, if there's no Latinos, there's no any person of color on that show, then you would think that New York is full of white folks um, that are very privileged and hang out at coffee shops and they live in really nice homes and nice apartments. And they're just a bunch of tomfoolery goes around. So if you see somebody like me, I am out of the norm. As soon as you see something out of the norm, it's something that kind of confuses you typically, right, instinctively, just human um, emotion um, that you're going to feel uncomfortable. (laughs) It may be scared, maybe intimidated, maybe confused, maybe angry because I'm not playing the role of the way that you see the world. And that isn't just in technology, but the reason why it's such a big deal with tech is because tech is playing such a large role in the way that we are seeing the world and the way that we're experiencing the world. So if there is a lack of inclusion, um, then you're only seeing the world in a very, through a very specific lens. If again, um, I'm in the tech industry and um, you've never seen anybody that looks like me, um, you're gonna have a hard time you know, really adjusting to um, what role I play in tech. And you might, um, what you will do is you will use stereotypes and uh, biases uh, to come to a conclusion that will um, ultimately uh, may not be accurate.
0: I loved how you framed the whole thing, right, from a very tunnel vision perspective, and that's what is happening. I wanna touch something that you mentioned about technology because we don't see much representation of colored people. Even though there are colored people, it's a very stereotypical, right? When we look at stereotypes, we look at a lot of people who are from China or who are from India, right? And often people think that immediately when you see a brown person or an East Asian, immediately they feel like, oh, so you are in the tech industry, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the kind of stereotypes that you see. Absolutely. And at the same time, yeah, at the same time, I want to highlight a really important uh, uh, narrative that goes on in the tech industry, especially in the West Coast, right? The bro, the bro or whatever culture that you are, are going to coin it as, but I call, I call it as the bro culture. Right. In the tech industry, oftentimes it is ping pong tables, free tidbits. Right. Right. You come in what slippers, flip flops, whatever, and shorts and t-shirt and you code. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stereotypical lens that uh, that is being portrayed. Then you have women who come into STEM. Women who come into STEM and then all of a sudden a different layer is added to that. Mm-hmm. The toxic masculinity right. is added to to, to kind of like condescend women and to remove women from that area. And even in the digital space, right, digital space, how often, and this is something I had a conversation a few weeks ago with different groups, but I... I host another show called Dismantling Discrimination and Enabling Diversity. Mm-hmm. So I've been bringing on different groups of, pa- of panels um, from Asian communities to white communities to black communities. And I, I asked a very important question when I had well, the white community, and this is in no way to, to put, put them down. I had a very honest conversation with them. I asked a very honest question. Before this BLM movement, you're all in the tech space, you're all in the digital space. Have you had a colored person in your speaking events? Have you had a colored person on your podcast? How have you promoted a colored person on your digital space? Mm-hmm. Crickets, mm-hmm. Right. crickets. Right. And then when I asked, are you going to be an ally? And everyone was like, oh yeah, I'll move forward. You know, I'll mm-hmm. have more allies. Right. And then it has been three, four weeks yeah, crickets. So yeah. I want to, yeah, I want to yeah. get your thoughts, and not to dwell on the absence. I want yeah. to dwell on how can we make it present, right. right? How can we form sponsorships? Because that is all about what is what hardship is about. How can we come to get that, form a coalition, and move forward? So I want to hear your thoughts on this.
1: So there's, so there's a lot of parts to this. Um, the the first part is that um, it's not top of mind priority for any business that's seeking revenue and return on investment and KPIs. The conversation of like uh, social justice is at the bottom of the list of the to-do list. Um, so the fact that you're hearing all of these voices in uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, and people are being like, this is our time to like have these conversations women, diversity, people of color everywhere, all around the world We wanna have these conversations, it's still not a top of priority because nobody is really talking about like the elephant in the room, which is like, what are the financial repercussions of not supporting these movements? And when you have somebody that's a part of your organization that's taking out the time to do that, they're the ones that are are really stepping up and, and saying, hey, listen, this is the reason why we gotta get behind this, this is the reason why we gotta do this. And um, and a lot of times, a lot of these tech companies, they just they just don't they don't think that that's an issue. They just don't. And it's very easy to have a a, a back and forth conversation about this because I've had those back and forth conversations. It's very easy for me to say, you should support people of color. Well, if you come from this land of, of racial biases and you look at your your revenue stream, you may answer back and say, that's not our customer base or that's not the consumers that we serve. So not a big deal for us, but we support that. And we're obviously not racist. Um, so that's part one. Part two is the fact that like um, a lot of these racial biases has come out in, in such an unconscious, subconscious way in, in these ways of, of, of really nepotism plays a much larger role mm-hmm. in the tech community more than racism plays a role. So, you know, the fraternities, the universities, the sororities, um, when you talk about when you're submitting your resumes and query letters, um, remember that goes through uh, a system that's uh, uh, picking out and plucking out specific keywords and then that has to rank to a certain thing. So all of that um, allows the room uh, for uh, nobody to be um, held accountable. Uh, for nobody to really have to do that extra step of doing research and understand all these things. Um, a lot of times, um, from what I've heard, from what I've heard, anyway, a lot of times when, you, when, um, when the conversation of where, why is there a lack of representation? Why is there no people of color in the room? Why are there no people of color in leadership? Usually the response is uh, we just don't know anybody, no qualified candidates. Mm-hmm. And um, of course again you can challenge that and and honestly, you know there's people that are out there that that's their position to go out there and recruit and um, and to really provide opportunities for people of color and women um, And the reason why I say that that um, and I include women in there as well is because the that equal that number of equality is so skewed in one direction, that um, I think sometimes people lose sight of the of the actual problem, which is mm-hmm. it's not that the reason why you you have a tough time finding a people of color candidate for some of these positions is because some of those people of color don't even have access to even get to that point of right. themselves. They have no uh, fraternity. Or special club. There are no code words. There are no buzzwords for for yeah. people of color. We don't throw up signs like we like. Like there's there's none of that. Um, it's just literally like keep your head down, work as hard as you can, and like mm-hmm. hopefully you know hopefully um, I'll be able to gain access and work mm-hmm. and work my way to the top. And unfortunately, the you know the reality of it is that those cards are stacked against you from the very beginning. Um, it's even the reason why we even have STEM programs to begin with. It's the reason why we say black lives matter. um, And we, we don't say all lives matter. We say black lives matter because it's like, Hey, we're, we feel like we're here. So we just want to be here. That's what black lives matter. that we're here. So as long as you acknowledge that, then we win. And that, and then every, and kumbaya for everybody, as soon as you say, no, 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 wait a second. I believe all lives matter. Well, Mm -hmm. dude, what you're doing is you're literally ignoring the whole point all it takes is two seconds for you to figure out what that means Um, when we talk about putting people of color in a room um, that are qualified uh, that's really not that hard i mean it just really isn't that hard it's not that difficult i mean there's you can stumble down the street and find somebody that knows somebody that's a person of color uh, that can talk about different things Um, and then when you talk about leadership um, it gets even trickier because it's that's another easy that's another easy uh, thing to poke hole, holes through, you know. Oh, we only look for qualified candidates. We really look for candidates with experience. There's all these like interesting words, these this play on words that um, that really plays a role in racial biases and why even diversity and inclusion is an issue.
0: Right, and that's like gatekeeping, right? Because you you're of, absolutely, yeah.
1: absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: 100%. So I wrote some notes over here. Um, you mentioned about, you know, have people, colored people, having no resources, right? What about those people who are not in fraternities or sororities or do not have the referrals, right? Um, they do not have the network, they do not have those connections. And that's a really important point that has been recurring for the past few weeks. Where, you know, we've been talking about hiring. Hiring is a huge gatekeeping process, where technology, the digital space, is put into place mm-hmm. systemically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to prevent, mm-hmm. I mean, it can be unconsciously, subconsciously, or consciously, with the gatekeeping terms, narratives, whatever. To prevent certain people, go ahead.
1: Oh, to, to to really, to address that really quickly, You know, one of the things that you have to understand that I'm I'm sure that some people don't understand, you understand this because you you come from this space, you understand this space very well. But it it looks like this. If you have five chads in a room and all all five chads wear flip-flops, they love beer pong, um, you know, they watch um, fucking Game of Thrones. I don't know. All five chads watch Game of Thrones. All five chads are different shades of white. And it's, it's Chad's, all five of them, it's their job to tell an algorithm what a good photo looks like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And all Chad's will go off of what they know a good photo looks like. And they might even do some research. And they might even plug in some data and, and, and really, really honestly, best intention-wise, try to include everybody. But what they will miss, is that I have dark skin. So maybe that photo that's a very well-lit photo might look a little bit darker, but they program the algorithm in a way to make it look like it's an underlit photo. So that means it's an ugly photo. So that means that um, if you discoverability-wise, I rank like this, okay? And then there's different shades of a skin color, but they're not looking at that either. And again, the algorithm Kind of bumps me down like this. So, so that's like a very interesting way of racial biases, biases with technology and unintentional. And again, because five chapters, there is no, there is no other voice that's saying, "Hey, look, I'm East Asian. Like, you know, do we have any imagery of what that looks like?" Or, or for example, what we we're talking about with the keywords um, and the gatekeeping. Um, you know, when it comes to loans. Uh, there's predatory loans for people of color um, that purposefully give you really high interest rates and make it almost impossible for you to overcome this. And it's not; the, it doesn't work the same way for, for someone white. And again, this is all like, you know, by design, not necessarily to keep people out. Maybe it is, I don't know. Uh, if you want to go a conspiracy route, maybe it is. But again, you know, we're letting we're letting technology play a larger role in this. And that makes it really tough to hold somebody accountable. I can't get mad at you if you put it through a computer system, because then we can just go round and round and round about who did what and, and, and what does that mean.
0: You bring up a really, really great point about uh, being in five chat rooms, right? And that, I look at that, the exact same concept in the fashion room. right, Right. how the whole concept of beauty is perceived, right, and it's just not in the United States because technology, we have, what's that called, Uh, Adobe Photoshop, Photoshop, right, it photoshops what slim, what feminine beauty is supposed to look like, a size, yeah, a size zero is portrayed as beauty, and this concept is transferred into different parts of Europe, different parts of Asia, so when we have a dominant concept being reiterated, it becomes a dominant culture. To your point, the algorithm learns it, right? If I if I click on something on, on Instagram, and just out of curiosity, right, sometimes I'll get this, look at, for example, um, a swimsuit, and I click on that, it's by a particular brand. Right. And automatically, the algorithm learns. Correct. And it pushes. All these very singular company, I call it singular company because if this company is run by white females catered to the boss babes, boss, oh my God, what's that lingo that I get a little bit irritated with the boss babe or babe something and it pushes, (laughs) it pushes the same thing onto my my feet and I'm thinking, this is not representative of me, but just because I clicked it once, Once.
1: yes. (laughs)
0: The algorithm,
1: and and, and, and you know, and what's so interesting about that, for example, is that that's not just you; it's all of us, and that is the reason why um, all of this is getting very tricky because we're seeing trends tailored more of this this tunnel vision. So, if I'm saying to you, I would love to see more diversity. And, but you've never clicked on anything to know what that looks like, you mm-hmm. know, it's hard for you to accept my reality because your reality is not the same as my reality. If I, if I, same thing, same thing for me. If I click on a photo of um, a beautiful blonde uh, size zero in Australia, wearing a bikini, that's all that's going to populate my feet. That's all that's going to populate my feet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be confused of like, why did that happen? Um, but that's what's presented to me. So subconsciously, I'm thinking in my mind, "Oh, is this this must be popular? This must be yeah. the only thing that's on Instagram." And I would never know that unless um, you know you, you you'd have to take extra steps to to shake up the algorithm system to do that. But that's right. why again, it, that's why it makes it harder to have these conversations because you know people are legitimately like, you know, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. Like this is. This is the way that I see the world and you're you're on the outside looking in because I see the world a certain way. Um, and maybe it's not that big of a deal that you're making it out to be that big of a deal.
0: Right, right. You bring up a really great point, right? It is, we look at the world from how we see it, not how everyone at all sees it. And this right. goes back to how, I'm gonna use this analogy, How at the workplace, right, we are so focused at work eight, 10 hours, 12 hours looking at the computer screens, right? Blocking what is in our peripheral view, blocking what is in front of us, blocking what is 10 or 20 desks in front of us or blocking whatever is outside the window. We don't get to see that unless there's a loud bang and then we run to the window to see, oh, who crashed? And then immediately we come into (laughs) this uh, premature, Mm-hmm. Judgment like, oh, is the driver an Asian? That's why they got into right. an accident, right? right? So working right. 10 steps back to your point again, it is not some, particularly someone's fault, but at the same time, we need to take the onus of how are we choosing to see or wanting to see the world, not right. just from my lens, but from the lens of other people around us who are experiencing certain things. Mm-hmm. And I want to acknowledge this, just because someone is not experiencing something does not mean it is not real, right? Right. right. Um, I had this conversation with someone uh, from the HR team a few weeks ago who said that just because you have a black friend or an Asian friend does not make you racist. And, and I told, that's so true. And just because my husband is white does not mean that I'm immune to racism. Right. Right. So, right. but that aside, that transfers, again,
1: really yeah. role to the digital. And, and listen, that's a, that's a, that argument has been said since before I was even created, like before, you know what I mean? Like I've heard that <laughs> argument my entire life. And, and the really interesting part about that is that to your point, you know, we all have like we each and every one of us goes through life operating with our own emotional wounds
0: mm-hmm. and our
1: own upbringing and our own perspective. Everybody is the center of their own universe. Yeah. So, so to unpack that, that racial bias is to question reality. And we, as a society, were conditioned not to be complex thinkers. We were actually raised almost, almost conditioned to be um, simple, um, w- w- uh, simple-minded uh, human beings. So when I say simple-minded, I do not mean stupid. Uh, I mean that like m- the more choices, the more anxiety you get, the more stressed out you get. The less choices, the better. That's why with political parties, there's not a shit ton. There's just like usually two, three. And two, usually you want to focus on one or the other. Like two choices is amazing for somebody because it's like So when you ask somebody to be a complex thinker, CJ, look at Mila, Mila look at CJ, and like compare each other's like life stories, empathize with one another. You introduce somebody else to the circumstance. What is their life story? Everybody has a different story to tell. Everybody has seen the world through a different lens. And for some people, you're destroying their reality. And and that makes them feel vulnerable. It makes them feel scared. It makes them feel defensive. It makes them feel angry. You know, one of the things that was very interesting with all of this is when you talk about um, racism and, you know, you got to see it play out in all these different ways because of, you know, we're so lucky we have mobile devices. We're catching all these people saying all this ridiculous shit for somebody that doesn't, that doesn't, that's literally quote unquote, colorblind. I'm colorblind. I, you know, I, I don't, everybody's the same to me. It would never occur to you that some people don't see the world that way. And that they really will do these like movie over the top things that you would never imagine a human being would do. They do do those things. There are these microaggressions and and that is true. And and for people of color, you know, it kind of sucks, right? Because we've been sort of put in these situations where we have to either uh, pretend it's not happening um, or confront it. We have to pick our battles. It's one of the two. So it's very difficult. It's exhausting. Um, So even just having that 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 moment of questioning. What's going on, and that moment of empathy um, goes a long way. I think. I think a lot of times, obviously, we there's a long laundry list of things to do, but it takes one step, and that one step is asking a question. That one step is empathizing, and we got to get back to that. Like right now, we're in this like tribalism. Uh, I'm right, you're wrong, sort of situation. There is no right or wrong. There is no good or bad. This is this is. This is a this is a moving, evolving situation. Life is always evolving. Um, your life experience, to what you said before, um, you know, you you have your own wounds, and the way you see things is, is different. You know, we can both see the same sunset and experience two different emotions. So, to use that as an example, uh, when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, you know, it's as simple as me asking. This is what, I, this, it's as simple as me saying, this is what I saw. What did you see? And that's me showing empathy and equality. And, and I'm listening to you. I'm acknowledging you. I'm seeing you and I'm hearing you. And that's a very simple thing to do because it opens up the whole world of possibilities.
0: I like what you said, opening up a wall of possibilities, right? And that's such an important factor to listen with empathy, to speak with empathy, and to be empathetic, right? And uh, you mentioned a really great point, CJ, about people's reality being destroyed, right? And and that is a valid. That's a valid area where people will feel that you're not listening to me you're destroying my reality Mm -hmm. you are coming in and ruining my peace so I watched I bumped into this video on Instagram two days ago where this black guy was walking into I can't remember the space but it was all white people they were I think they, they were protesting something for guns and this black guy was writing Black Lives Matter and it quickly became this hatred kind of a conversation. And he was just walking into this community to go visit his ancestors' burial ground. He didn't say anything, he didn't instigate anything, but this group of white people came to, it to him and said, all lives matter. Right. And you should remove that shirt. all lives matter. And and he was curious, he didn't even engage. He he just said, I'm here to visit my, my ancestors burial ground and that's it. And it just became so chaotic where people were so angry towards him. Mm-hmm. And to your point, I and mean, that makes a big sense, right? A great sense mm-hmm. as to the our reality is being mm-hmm. destroyed. The our reality is being destroyed where the uncertainty, the unfamiliar reality, right, mm-hmm. the fear the vulnerability started coming out. And then the police officer came to break it down, saying that, hey, I'm here for your well-being and for their well-being. Let's de-escalate it. And they were walking away. And still, there was a big mob following him and uh, trying to see what was going on. But what if we humanized, right? It obviously it's a conflict. Rather than saying you do not belong here, get out of here. We are taking back America. That reality itself, taking back America, let's go 10 steps backwards. Right. right. Who were in America to begin with? Right. Where was it taken away from? And and in the digital space, right, we're talking about the digital space, and this was all via Instagram. <clears throat> and it's so easy for people to quickly see it like, oh, yeah, get out of this country, go back to where you, you belong you're not from here. And then from another perspective, if you're a Republican, if you believe in guns, you're like, yeah, I want my country back. And mm-hmm. then from the different lens, right? Like people of color, what do you mean? We, we are Americans. We do belong here. right. And to your point, what we started seeing the whole thing and and humanizing it and just mm-hmm. approaching it with empathy. It changes.
1: It oh, absolutely. absolutely changes. The ego is really, the ego is really interesting because, you know, at the at the end of the day and um, this is something I'm writing a book right now I'm putting it in my book um, I was very interested in the um in the situation that was kind of like at the at the beginning stage of the black lives uh, matter movement um, with the um, the woman in New York um, and the um, the bird watcher um, okay. in Central Park uh, because that is, a, that is probably the best example of what a microaggression and racism and ego look like. Because you could only imagine if that woman were to, like, pause for one moment and either, you know, leash her dog and leave and ignore this man completely um, or just leave and ignore this man completely and not engage like her life would have been completely different, but she felt so intimidated and threatened and like insulted. Somebody would think they were better than her. It escalated this, this, this crazy situation. And it's, and that's, and that's it in a nutshell is it is the ego and you can see it play out. You know, one of the things too, that you have to understand is that, um, even if people don't want to admit it out loud, for the most part, everybody kind of thinks, because we're, we're, each of us are the center of our universe. We're the hero of our own story, right? So that means the person that disagrees with us is the villain. That also means that we're typically the smartest person in the room. Like if the world <laughs> went in, I'm gonna figure out a way, I'll be like one of the sole survivors, me and my family, I know what I'll do. And when, you talk, when you're thinking like that, like you're already kind of putting yourself like here against everybody else. So it's really easy to fall into the trap of, depending on who you're talking to, you know, you might, for example, talk to like a white dude and he may say something, you might take it the wrong way because of the history and the wounds that you carry with you uh, may, 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 be, may have you being like, what do you mean by that? On the opposite end of the spectrum, um, that could that could easily be me or that could be somebody else. It just depends on what your life's experiences are. And that's why it's very, It's very important for us to unpack the ego. It's very important for us. And listen, that's the reason why it's very important that we ask questions. So when you ask questions, you get answers. And when you ask questions that you don't quite understand, you can explore a little bit more. Question number one, why am I so angry? Why am I so pissed off that this person is wearing a shirt? Why? Do I know this person? Do I know why they're wearing that shirt? Are they wearing that shirt? Just they woke up knowing me without meeting me, that they're going to antagonize me? Like, they're wearing that shirt just to piss me off. Like, no. Why are they wearing that shirt? Are they wearing that shirt because they think they're better than me? Is it okay if I ask them if they feel like they're better than me? You know, those are very simple things that you can do to break it down. And as soon as you break it down, you're intellectualizing it. And as soon as you're intellectualizing it, you're removing emotion from it. As soon as you remove emotion from it, it's really not that big of a deal. It just isn't.
0: I love how you just broke that down, asking questions and asking respectful questions. It's so important,
1: right? I don't. I've never. I was saying this to my friend the other day. I've never seen somebody scream in another person's face and get what they wanted from the situation. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't think I've ever, in fact, I don't think I've ever done it. I don't think anybody's ever done it to <laughs> me and got exactly what they wanted from screaming in my fucking face. That's crazy. Can
0: you, can you imagine going into a shop and screaming at the barista or the waitress, "I want my cheese back now? Yeah, you know, yeah. like
1: makes no sense. Imagine, like, makes no right. sense at all. <laughs> but for for whatever reason, you know, you think screaming in my face about a T shirt is gonna what? What was what, what he gonna do? Take a cheap T shirt off? They'd be like, I'm so ashamed that I'm wearing this shirt and you're so bad. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? What are we doing here? Like, that's so silly. And when yeah. we talk about that, and see, that's the thing. That's when we talk about the workplace. When we talk about right. the workplace, it's like it's really not that big of a deal. You're turning it into a bigger deal. As soon as you say it's not a big priority to me, okay, that's fine. Why is it not a big priority to you? Are you ignoring the fact that in the world it's one of the hottest topics in the entire world. So it is kind of a big deal. And if it's not impacting you right now, don't you think it's gonna impact you later down the line? Like, don't you wanna be a part of change? Like, what does change look like to you? Do, like, it's okay to unpack these things and explore these things. And you know, that's that's really where we're gonna, uh, where we're gonna find that balance of equality is challenging these things. And, and really um, questioning the status quo and um, and understand that a lot of this is very economical. A lot of this is very much this survivalist mentality. Not everybody feels like they come from a level of abundance. Some people feel like they come from scarcity. When you feel like you're coming from scarcity, you're terrified of everything. You know, Those are the people that are like, if I tell you this idea, this one idea, maybe you should... Write down a contract that you don't tell anybody else about my idea because I don't want anybody to spill that idea. And I'm like, man, it's an idea. Like, right? What the hell are we talking about here? Gonna... They go
0: copyright it. They go trademark it. They yeah. go into the depths of no. No
1: one does that because nobody, nobody, nobody does that. Like nobody, nobody thinks like that. And you're inviting so, toxicity. You're inviting it. If somebody is walking through a crowd then all they're doing is walking through a crowd. If they're storming through a crowd, I get it. If they're running through a crowd, I totally, if they're walking through a crowd and they just look a certain way or they're dressed a certain way, you need to relax. It's not that big of a fucking deal, honestly. And and when we talk about the workplace, because I, I keep going back to the social aspect, they're trying to keep it with the career shit. Uh, but no,
0: it's, it's- it's all, Ooh, and, and, and it is, it's all related it's all related to your point how we show, how like when we are born right the workplace school system communities of practice society it's all surrounding us and every behavior transfers just to go to go back to your point about at central park that lady right she was the vp and that transferred how she behaved in public to it a complete Stranger. So, yes, go back to the workplace. I want to hear.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. No, I think you're absolutely right. And see, that's the thing. That's the reason why, you know, I talk a lot about psychology and, uh, and sociology and how we impact one another because what happens is very, very simple. I'm exhausted. So, when I say that I'm tired, I don't mean that I worked a long fucking day doing what I love doing. I mean, I'm exhausted having to pick my battles with microaggressions, having to like wonder what this person meant by this or what that person meant by that. Wonder if I'm getting an equal share of opportunity, equal pay, like wondering these things is taxing because I'm just adding more stress. And when that shit is realized, you know, that's even more stress. What does that do? That affects my work performance. And that also impacts your work performance, because my attitude is going to is going to um, like all of it is symbiotic. It's all like interconnected. It's all connected. And if you don't have a person of color in the workplace, all you're doing is you're just skirting around the issue. And that's another thing, too, is that like, you know, then when you're in the workplace, you're like, well, you know, if we don't have a person of color, then we don't have a person of color. Conflict of interest. Like, you know, there is no, we don't even have to worry about it. And that, and by the way, I've heard, I've heard those conversations before. And I've heard them say in a way where it just makes sense, where it doesn't sound racist at all. It just makes sense. Like, why would we want to hire this woman when, yeah, all the guys here, it is like frat guys. And we don't want to get sued. We, want, we don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. So why hire a woman? Like, why even go through the trouble of that? Those conversations do get had. And from yeah. their, and from their perspective, it there's nothing wrong with it because you're literally like what like 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 what? Like what am I doing wrong? I don't want to get into any trouble. Right. I don't want to go through the I don't want to go through the hassle and by the way, I get to say that. I get to say right. I don't want to be a part of the hassle. So there's right. two sides of that of that conflict there, right? And it's as easy as picking the candidate for the right job absolutely 110 percent you know with the but the um the the thing is is that we have to make sure that all candidates have access that there is no like cheat and that's the problem there's a cheat sheet to get through in the first place then you get through you jump through those hoops and then you got to deal with microaggressions and when you're dealing with microaggressions because again um you're in this, you're in this, you're in this battle. You're in this battle of getting to the top. We reward, we reward, um, not necessarily the hardest worker. We reward the smartest worker. And because we reward the smartest worker, again, we're like, it's, it's just like um, hunger games almost. When you're in work workplace situations, like you're, you're always trying to outdo that other person to make sure that you get something more than they do, a promotion, a higher position, more money, more access. You know, you and want And that's more
0: more. More like that.
1: Absolutely. And so, and, and again, that doesn't that is, what that means is that like you're already you're already going into the workplace, you know, being rewarded by stepping on someone's neck. So you're not necessarily looking out for diversity and inclusion. Like this is not. <laughs> it's literally nothing. Like you're literally because in, in your mind you built up this scenario of like it's a dog eat dog world and like. You know, no handouts, um, Right, even though it's not a handout. Right. right,
0: and and you bring up a really great point, right? We bring up a really great point you spoke about psychological safety and safety looks very different to different people, Correct. right? People who come from a privileged land or from a privileged journey background, right? Your safety is going to be I'm going to mix around with people who look like me, who sound right. like me. Right. Because the narratives, I see it on Instagram too. Mm-hmm. To, to be successful, you need to surround yourself with successful people. Right. And what do these successful people look like? Correct. And they Correct. they show p- images of Gary Vee, they right. show pictures of Mark Cuban, they show pictures of, oh my God, the Shark Tank people. Yeah, right? awesome people. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do they look like? They look very singular, except for Damien. They look very singular, and that's the mindset that people are going to adopt and think this is my safety. Absolutely. this is my safe space, right? So, so to your point, like the frat, the frat brothers or group, right? They're going to. I'm not going to hire woman because I do not want to get into a, that space of getting sued, right? And and then on the other lens we have people diverse people right and it happens in in i I, i'm going to call it monolingual culture monolingual culture is very much present in china in japan in india uh in iran afghanistan because it's not many even though they are monolingual that is multilingual it's it's nuanced with their religion women with different type different ethnicity but still right they don't experience that as what it is predominantly in the United States. When you have people on the different side where with colored people, where you do get together with your own cliques, with your own ethnicity, at the same time, we you have like huge melting pots, countries like Singapore, countries like Malaysia, countries like Britain as well. You have multiple ethnicities coming together and then they're like, okay, what does success look like? And then we are trying to champion this whole concept of being a sponsor. You have to have diverse thoughts. You have to speak with different people in order to grow. But if you're going to keep with your own clique of Mark Cuban's and Gary Vee, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, uh, what's, oh my God, his name, uh, Lewis House, he wrote a book as well. You're going to have a very singular lens of what success is going to look like. You're not going to be exposed to what success can become and can look like from a diverse right. perspective right yeah because oftentimes like nowadays speaking about digital space or talking about workplace people have that mindset okay i've got to go and climb up the ladder backstep someone else throw them underneath the bus for me to get up that's how i look at being synonymous to surrounding yourself with the Gary V's and the absolutely oh, yeah. oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely, I think that, uh, I think that that's a, re- I mean, honestly, that's a really good point. I mean, that's when we, when we talk about access. And uh, we talk about the way that you grew up. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, being a military brat, lived all around the world, exposed to so many different cultures. So, you know, by the time I'm an adult, you know, not to say that I've seen everything, uh, it's just that I, I got a chance to see a little bit of everything. So I wasn't like, um, so in saying that I understood the Gary V's and the Lewis house and I myself am like the black version of that. Right. So in saying that, um, I'm the black version of that. Like there's not a ton of, there's not a ton of, of CJ Johnson's around. Like, I don't have that. My comparison is literally like, if I have to, if I have to like think of something, I have to reach out to Mark Manson, the, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, or I have to talk to Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and that's me. And then I have to pass that information on to other people who are trying to get to my space, um, that are people of color. You know, that's kind of the problem is like this lack of access. Um, and look, it's, you know, you do want to be a part of your tribe. That's the whole point of having a tribe. Like, and, um, and unfortunately sometimes that tribe looks like you, um, when, when in reality, it shouldn't, it, it should be more of an internal thing. It should be more of a character thing. It should be more of a, you getting exposed to different things. So you're like, okay, this makes sense. That doesn't make sense. Um, you know, one of the most interesting, one of the most interesting friendships um, that I think is just fascinating to me is like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, how those two guys became like best friends. It's like one of the weirdest, weirdest, uh, weirdest things to me, because they're both like the two like, the top five wealthiest men in the world for like how many years, um, and and they don't. I mean, I'm sure they talk about money, uh, but you know what? They, but they have this like bond and this friendship. It's like two old white guys, and there's nothing wrong with that. And both of them give back to people of color communities, like literally all the time. So you can't tell me that people don't know about these situations. And they can't have access, and they. They can't do the research and take out the time. They just don't care. It's just like not, it's just not a priority. And where we're at and what safer we at now is like, okay, great. You don't care. How can I make you care? You know, that's, that's the big, that's the big question right now because you're making it. I mean, and by the way, now, you know, we live in the world that we live in now. where People are totally okay with, with, with saying that they don't give a shit. Like that's the other thing is that people are saying like, well, you know, we can do better. You know, uh, we hear you. We've taken a look at things, and we're gonna need to improve uh. some things. Like, what skeletons do you have in the closet? I know what that means. Um, that's code for uh, you got some. You, <laughs> you have a history of some shit. Um, and yeah, we just need to be able to like equalize that access and have empathy. And um, I, I mean, that's such a great point that you made about the tribe aspect of things. And I myself have experienced that. I myself have been a part of that. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, I look at my tribe of like successful entrepreneurs and it's like, white dude, white dude, white dude, white dude, white dude, <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, wait, am I, the, am I the talking black guy? Um, <laughs> wait, what? Um, why do you keep asking me questions about what's cool or not? Um, And, um, and, and, you know, those, those things need to be addressed And you know, the, the, there's so many different ways, there's so many different methods, there's so many different suggestions, and I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like it's this really huge, complex system of things, but at the end of the day, it's about being empathetic. It's about taking one extra step, not a ton of extra steps. And and really understand like that there's just like a lack of access for certain situations. I would much prefer, um, you know, um, I'm just using this as an example. But like, let's say that like, you know, my tech my my company is based in San Francisco. I would like to like look out for other people in San Francisco. Not look out for white, rich, wealthy people in San Francisco. Not look out for just black folks. I would love to just look out for folks in San Francisco. I don't know if that's maybe. Uh, an an interesting perspective of how you can start to attack it. I don't know, I just know that like, you know, we're making it sound like it's way more complex than it has to be. Emotions are running very, very high. People need to be very respectful of those emotions because what you're seeing, and I've explained this to some people, is that what you're seeing is you're seeing bottled up emotion explode. That's all it is it is not it is not i've been pissed off at you since the beginning of time it's not that you just did something and i'm bored and i'm mad about it it's not just a trump thing it's nothing like that it's it's like you're living a life of like dude i had to turn the other cheek of all these situations and then you want to talk about generational pain and then you want to you want to add on to the fact of like man i still got to work twice as hard this shit is still happening not only is this shit still happening, it's in front of your face and I'm still having to have a conversation about it. I'm having to have a conversation about shit that you're seeing, like you're literally seeing and choosing to strike up an argument. Yes, people are gonna be very upset. People are gonna be sad, depressed, angry. They're. I mean, you're just gonna see a lot of emotions like explode. Um, you know, when you talk about riots, you know, um, I mean, I hate, I hate to say it because I know some people are going to be like, oh, but it's like burning down what we built. <laughs> it's ours to burn down to begin with, reparations, baby. Um, and that sounds awful um, from certain circumstances. I don't wish violence or, on anybody. But by the way, history has shown us that that's literally the only way change comes. I, it has never happened in, in the in, in historical context that everybody just sits around and sings Kumbaya. That's not the way that it works. Um, you know, change and transformation is painful in the beginning, and we're in the beginning of a new of a new age of a new age of transformation. And the best thing that you can do is take a step back, question things, empathize with with your fellow human, and take one extra step of just understanding and acknowledging these different situations. Because if you're taking out the time to think of all these really you know mundane things like, you know, uh, I, oh, I, I haven't seen it yet on Netflix, but I put it on my list. I have a net, I have my my net, my Netflix list. I'm going to put it on my list. Or, uh, you know, I haven't read that book, but I'm going to read that book. You know, somebody else recommended that book. If you have all these goddamn lists, you can't make a list of of of, uh, of being equal with uh, with your human partner. Um, you can't make a list of uh, of things to do to to change the world in a in a better way. Uh, you talk about your workflow and, and making the the work environment much more fun and much more like conducive and you know we're getting bigger results hey it's 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 all there that that is all there that that is all there
0: right so <laughs> i'm making i want to add something making your workplace more conducive it's not about ping pong tables and i want to highlight that it's not only about ping pong tables and not, and it's not about happy hours right or free dinner but i want to I highlight a really. (laughs) I want to highlight a great point that you mentioned: change, right? Change does not happen. It's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. Change comes when there's pain. Change comes when the pain is not identified. It's not looked into. And I and I and I always refer to the the Coca Cola bottle, or any soft drink bottle, Right. right? you you grab it you shake a little bit you leave it on the table right without opening up the the cap take it again shake a little bit leave it up and you see the gas building up building up building up to a point where the space between the cap and the drink can't hold Mm -hmm. the co2 anymore i'm going science now co2 do it And it's going to explode. When it explodes, Absolutely. it's going to sprinkle all over you. It's going to dirty your carpet. It's going to dirty your bloody clothes.
1: And you're going to and, be frustrated. You're going to be angry. You're going to be sad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You'll attract ants because it's sticky, it's sweet, bees, you know, whatever it is. But Absolutely. that is the whole thing, right? Change is, it comes when pain is present for a very long time. And that pain is not necessarily from a very singular perspective or lens. Correct. To your point, everyone's reality gets destroyed,
1: it's, right? it's something interesting to note that in in historical context, all you gotta do is look at your history. You don't have to make it be about a okay. black history or anything. You can just look at your history and you can see exactly what you just said. And it's very interesting that, you know, the narrative is shifting, as if like you know, uh, when you talking about like you know, make America great again. Uh, that's you know, out here in the states, make America great again. Um, you know, you're, you're you're literally talking about you're you you're talking about how you use violence to to take something, and and now you're saying that like you're seeing it happen on a on a on a micro level. Um, And that's really upsetting you. Like, why can't you act like this? And why can't you? Well, it's the, it's the, it, that is the whole point of the fucking argument is that this, there's a group of people that don't feel like they're, that they're being recognized. And now they're acting out. And, right. And you don't have to condone um, violence at all. Like, that's not (laughs) what I'm saying. I'm saying that you need to understand the history and the context of all of this. And I don't think, I think, it's not necessary. It's not necessarily that people don't know. I think that it's that they don't care and that they don't empathize. Not everyone, because obviously there's tons of people out there that are that are in support of, of diversity and inclusion. There's just some people that just don't empathize. Um, you know, one of the most intriguing things about uh, Michael Jordan, for example, is that Mark, Michael Jordan was was this amazing athlete that just destroyed racial barriers, and white people saw Michael Jordan. As Michael Jordan, they didn't see him as a black man, and I mean, so that just comes to show you that it's not necessarily a col- its not necessarily a color thing. It's like a—it's like a—it it definitely—it's an ego thing. It's a class thing. It's an economical thing. There's all these different layers to this, and at the very surface layer, we want to make it be about color, but it's not just about color. Like colorism is an issue. Uh, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, it is our ego. Um, that is really the issue here. And when you've, when you've lived a whole privileged lifestyle of being in charge, and then somebody is like, that's unfair. Why would you ever want to give that up? I mean, that's just common sense.
0: It's like the elder, elder sibling syndrome, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You have been
0: in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the older sibling, take yeah. away your younger sibling's ice cream. You smack them on the head. You put oh peanut butter on your face. The, and then I when love, you're I love, reprimanded.
1: I'm a grown man. Um, I love my sister. She's a grown woman. She's very successful. You know, I see her and I'll still kick shit out of her hand. I can't help it. It's just who I am. I was built a certain way. Um, but that's you're absolutely right. That's absolutely true. Um, it is this this big brother mentality and like, no, you can't have this, this is mine. And just really frustrated um, that, especially when you see, the funny part is like when you see people of color and women, you know, thriving. And they're just like, well, fuck it. We're gonna take it ourselves and we're, you know, you don't wanna help us, we're gonna help ourselves. And that's driving people so mad. That's right. where Make America Great came from. That's literally what that is. That's like, Aah. Right. No, you're not supposed to figure it out. You're not supposed to right. figure it out. And um, and you got to, you know, and I mean right. I think that's I think that's one of the things that, you know, we have to discuss. It's like, you know, those five chats. I want those five chats to be like I don't have anything against those five chats. I, I just don't want them to have anything against me. I want to be I want to I want to have five chats as friends. I want to work alongside five chats. And I want you to come too. And I want this person to come. And I want to be able to like have conversations. I want to learn from each other. I want you to learn from me. I want to learn from you. That's just me. Um, Even as a private person, like I still want to be able to have access to different cultures and, and different um, experiences. I mean, otherwise how do you grow as a human being? And I think that any company, any workplace is going to benefit from having um, different voices um, that are diverse because then you're basically showcasing the, the actual reality of the world. You're gonna get more ideas, you're gonna get smarter ideas, you're gonna get more well-balanced, nuanced, complex ideas, which is awesome. Like that's just that's just a beautiful thing to have something like right. That that is Kumbaya. now we okay. have everybody <laughs> together. yes, yeah. So
0: to actually but to, to add to your point, I want to I want to say this right. Like having diverse voices, having diverse thoughts, diverse backgrounds. It's very synonymous to to science. I go back to science because yeah. DEI culture. That's a whole science behind it, yeah. right? The, the science. It's like your whole body. The cell replaces itself every single day. Every seven years, ten years, even your liver, your heart, right? And and one and your body is so intricate, but If you keep on eating cake every single day, if you keep on drinking all those soft drinks every single day, or one type of food every single day, you are going to fall ill. You're gonna get cancer, your cholesterol is gonna go up. And that is the beauty, why there are diverse food inherent on earth, Right. right? Fruits, vegetables, grains, everything facilitates growth of your brain absolutely your different organs your yeah. eyes everything facilitates growth and that is a walking walking well present testimony of how diversity itself is present mm-hmm. in our surrounding one to facilitate our growth so absolutely
1: and i and i think that um i think to add on to what you're saying um you know one thing that I I've been suggesting and recommending to uh, individuals and companies is like, you should write down, you should actually take out the time now to write down where you stand um, when it comes to your values and maybe start asking some of these questions that you're hearing to yourself. So you at least have an answer prepared. Um, And I think the reason, and the reason why I say that is because, if this was maybe, if this was two years ago, because this actually started happening when Trump got elected, is really when people started to pay attention to social stuff uh, and have, uh, have all these like, and social media evolved and all that stuff. Four years ago, I'm your publicist, I'm your marketing expert, whatever. I would not, I would tell you to ignore all of this. I would tell you, you know, don't, do not involve yourself in this, don't risk it. Because those are controversial things. That is completely outdated now. It is the complete opposite. The rules are completely different now. Now, not only are your consumers, your customers, your coworkers, your teammates, your family, your friends, strangers, people are not only just looking at your brand, company, whatever, and saying it based on you. They're all taking an extra step. They're all, everybody's taking, just the same way you're taking an extra step, I'm taking an extra step. Believe that. So if you're asking where did this come from or who is this person or what's your company culture and you don't have an answer for any of that, you just try to ignore it, sweep it under the rug, it's exactly like what you're saying. It's an like eating cake every single day. Eventually that's going to catch up to you. So why not get ahead of it? Why not be prepared? Why not have more of these conversations? Like why not? Like what's the problem? And again, it's 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 strictly out of it's strictly out of fear and pain and ego. Nobody wants to be called a racist. Nobody wants to feel like they're the bad guy and they're the villain. And and you know, at the end of the day, you know, and I say this to anybody, regardless of what the situation is, if you're not what they say you are, prove it. Live your life. Do what you gotta do. I'm not I'm not a racist. I don't need to fucking tell you that I'm not a racist. I just don't do racist shit. And then if I do racist shit, and you tell me that I'm doing racist shit, I should be mature enough to be held accountable for my actions and either apologize and empathize or not give a fuck. And, uh, but I should, I should be able to have that choice just like you have that choice, right? And all we're saying is, hey, maybe we should actually give a fuck. Like, that's all, that's all. That's it, not that big of a deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I right, absolutely love it. I know that we are running out of time. But to sum all of this up, you mentioned, uh, our discussions keep on going back to the ego, right? And and you're so right. Without checking our egos, we can't practice hardship, right? Hardship is coming from the heart, valuing our people, really understanding and seeing where others are coming from right? And also not imposing, hey, this is where I'm coming from, but letting them see for themselves where you are coming from at the same time, taking that owners as to understanding where others are coming from. In order to move forward, we can only move forward when we dig deep, deeper into ourselves, deeper in our minds, in our hearts, in our thought processes, in our practices, in our behaviors. And to, to CJ's point, taking ownership as to why is this making me mad and not sweeping things underneath the carpet because CJ like to your point it's no longer it's no longer you know it's a controversial topic no, because the world is becoming more and more smaller with social media with digital uh, platforms everything everything is becoming smaller we are more connected than ever Via FaceTime, via TikTok, well TikTok got panned, Instagram, Facebook, oh. whatever media you can think about, we are all connected. Yes, forty years ago, it took how many what months to get news from one end of the country to this end mm. of the country? Right? Mm. Even mail, it took what one month to get your mail. Mm-hmm. Now, within a week, you can get mail from Japan in the US. Not even a week, or three, four days, you can get four it. Days,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So that is how small the world is becoming. And when we transfer that to the workspace, the workspace, we have not just the most diverse generation right now, we have the most diverse background of people right now. We don't even, not only have the baby boomers, X generation, but we have the Xenials, we have the millennials, the Z generation. We have people from all over the world. We have first generation Americans, second generation Americans third generation Americans over here, right? Everyone, when we talk with people, everyone wants one thing. And that one thing is to be heard. When I say heard, they want to be valued. They want to be accepted and acceptance is about love. So before we, yeah. So before we go CJ, one, one tip in how we can bring about change in the digital space to enable diversity.
1: Um, I would say the, the, the biggest tip that I can give is to take out um, just a moment to reach out to someone and ask them questions. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be questions about, you know, <laughs> what's it like being a black man, CJ, in America. Uh, but um, questions of empathy, um, questions of, like, how are you? How are you feeling? Um, questions of, uh, of, of even questions to yourself. You know, why do you feel a certain way about something? Um, How do you feel about X, Y, and Z? So uh, that number one tip I would definitely say is like to question everything and to really take the time to explore who you are and the world around you. Um, And I I think that that's just like a very easy thing. I mean, a very easy step to take. It's not an easy thing to do, but once you get in the practice of asking more questions, you become much more self-aware. And when you're much more self-aware, uh, like using the analogy of eating the cake before everyone. Uh, when you when you practice that skill set every day, then it just opens up the world of like all sorts of things that you can do. Success, happiness, uh, empathy, um, you know, all of that plays a role in just you asking simple questions.
0: Beautiful, beautifully said. Well, thank you again for being here, CJ. Exactly. Everyone, you can follow CJ on LinkedIn. Uh, his name is CJ Johnson, and thank you everyone for joining in today. Hardship, right? Hardship is the now of leadership, the now culture, the now diversity, the now workplace, and the now of us. Because how we show up isn't just singular. We are a human belonging in a three-prong perspective: home, workspace, school and society at large the way to hardship as what cj discussed today is eliminating your ego and asking questions in order to bring about change that's it folks join us next week again cj do not go anywhere um tune in next week again thank you everyone for tuning in